All right. Um, these were the first sounds that were heard on the concert that we played at the Philharmonic Hall in Cologne. Actually, the first time me and my trio with uh, Robert Landfermann and Jonas Borkwinkel were on stage with the great John Schofield. We had met uh, a couple of days before that to rehearse at uh, a great club in Cologne called The Loft. Had amazing uh, Chinese food. Uh, hung out and obviously I asked and we asked John a lot of questions about his music and his life. It's incredible to, to get to know him. And then this concert came. I think it was at the end of January 2014. And uh, the fulfillment of a lifelong dream that I had. Because I, I grew up listening to Sko's music. My, my parents are big fans of, of his music. This is a song of mine called Cameo. In the days leading up to the concert, John told me that um, he had looked at the songs, listened to the recordings I sent him. And he, uh, he really liked that one song with the A pedal. So I was amazed that he was so well prepared. Didn't expect him to, uh, to be that way, although I knew he was a great musician and is a great musician, but being a star like this, I somehow assumed, you know, he would wing it in the moment, but he was very, very well prepared, knew the songs, and he said he really would like to play this song. So this is what we started out with. been playing this song whenever um, we had certain guests with the trio the, the years before that so I think Chris Potter was another guy who played this song I think this was the recording I sent to Sko for for him to check out it's a pretty uh, straightforward lead sheet type of song that um, usually lend itself pretty well for situations where there's not much rehearsal time and you know you, you can get a vibe pretty uh, easily although it's pretty involved harmonically but Sko sounds very at ease felt amazing to play in our hometown uh, you know all our friends and families came all was packed and let's go it was really incredible how he um, what kind of vibe he gave us rehearsing hanging and playing with him you know obviously in the weeks and months before this I was super excited and <laughs> nervous but all of that was gone when I met him because he's so re relaxed and down to earth and was also very very interested in how we dealt with things which is a little bit different obviously than, than how he treated things so he would also ask us questions like how do you 
approaches Discord or how do you was always interested in when we got a little bit more free. plays over those changes. Guys, we, you know, between the rehearsal, we would talk about, oh, wow, Sko is so laid back all the time. <laughs> and it's, it was kind of hard for us sometimes to to maintain the actual tempo because, he, you know, the vibe that he gets, that special feel, how laid back he plays, it's hard then sometimes to keep the actual tempo. <laughs> I think we managed. So what do you play after <laughs> after a giant like that took a solo on your song? I mean I guess you play something different <laughs> than what he's playing. And that's a that was a lesson for me, you know, to He already did this. Maybe I should do something different not try to imitate what he did or try to top it, you know, as if I would be able to do that. But, you know. told me a nice story about rehearsing with uh, Herbie for the new standard project and he told it um, to me because um, when we were rehearsing you know I always tend to maybe be a little bit too professional <laughs> maybe in a way uh, 
where I was like, yeah, we played that song, that's fine, let's keep the rest for the for the actual performance. But he was like, no, no, let's play it. I wanna, you know, I really wanna get into these songs more. And so we, we ended up playing for, I don't know, a really long time. Kept getting back to those songs. And um, he told me that he was that way when he first played with Herbie, you know? He would, you know, he would take like one chorus on a song at the rehearsal and then give it back to Herbie to, for him to blow. And Herbie told him, no, 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 please play, man. I, I really want to get to know how you play. Which was a new kind of approach for me and another lesson to be learned. And, uh, you know, going back to it now, I feel it didn't you know, it didn't ruin the spontaneity. I think it enhanced it a little, even a little bit more because we we all knew, knew the music a little bit better. remember in the rehearsals I, I noticed Sko didn't really play during my solos, didn't really comp. And you know how, the way I already said, he, he, he gave this, uh, he made sure there was this relaxed vibe and that actually uh, gave me confidence to actually tell him something. <laughs> So I took all my courage and said, you know, Sko, if you feel like if you feel like playing in my solo, please jump in, or, or I'd love you to comp also if you comp also in my solos if you feel like it. And he was like, yeah, you know, Pablo, I always feel more like the horn player in the band. And uh, yeah, makes total sense. Also now, then, after having heard this from him, I listen differently to his recordings now. Also his lines have a, you know, pretty incredible horn 
unicorn-like element to them, I think. who interprets a melody like Sko. Yes, he's playing what's written on the page, but also he makes it his own immediately. That was always fun. I mean, all of it was fun. <laughs> but to trade with uh, Sko is an amazing feeling. Sometimes feels like he's ending my phrases and vice versa. So here we have a medley of two of my uh, favorite Schofield compositions. First one is Kubrick, and uh, then we go into Camp Out. Kubrick is rather obscure tune that I think a lot of people miss, uh, or I don't know how to put it, but it's from a go-go famous record from Schofield that is, you know, known for its catchy and very, very funky and, and groovy tunes. But this is one track in there that is kind of, to me, always always uh, stuck out. I love all the all the songs on there. And I, th I think, uh, you know, I want to make it clear that I love all aspects of Schofield, of his music, because he's so diverse in his taste and his output but this song already you know always stuck out for me Kubrick on a go-go mm -hmm. 
is a different and reflective and mysterious mood. I think now, yeah, Sko goes into, into the intro of that song. When we rehearsed it, I think also he didn't have a sheet for that one. I did a transcription of it and showed it to him and he told me that it was correct. And also he appreciated that or, or told me to, to do something with it, not imitate the original recording, which is what you hear maybe in my tremolo thing here. When we rehearsed, we somehow felt that it could be nice to go from that song, because it's, I think on the record, it's a rather short piece. I mean, on the Agogo record, we felt it could be nice to connect this with another song. So we thought we might go from Kubrick. We don't play over the form, so we just go somewhere free and then go into Camp Out, which is another one of my favorites from the uh, What We Do record with Dennis Irwin, Joe Lovano and Bill Stewart. I think now is, we're getting towards the free part, which is the intro, but now we kind of deconstruct it. I think I rambled all the way through uh, Sko's beautiful intro on this one but uh, I'd, I'd like to say that I could listen to him play so, uh, intros for forever I love his intros and outros and solos and everything Robert is introducing the bass line from Campout. Campout is only eight bars of music, but offers so much possibilities and freedom to go anywhere. Into the woods, as Sko told us. I think he said it reminded him of a kind of a folk tune or something, melody. And I told him <laughs> it reminded me of a melody that you're about to hear. Uh, German commercial for cakes from Koppenrad and Wiese. <laughs> I think only Germans will appreciate this comment. Sorry.
so nice to hear my friends Robert and Jonas, who are, you know, we're all school fans. To hear them play trio with him was uh, always made me so happy. As I said before, you know, Sko is very known, widely known for his funky uh, music and groovy stuff. But, you know, there's so much music out there of him also where he uh, really goes into the free and open direction. He told me he was such a fan of Ornette Coleman's quartet, of Keith's quartet, you know. Really, he really uh, studied that music. remember during the sound check one of the sound guys you know uh, tried to to talk Sko down to you know try to convince him to lower the volume of his amplifier and Schofield very politely said you know I get asked that a lot and uh, I appreciate it but I always decline <laughs> It was pretty loud on stage, but I loved it. I love to be in that. In that uh, I love to dive into that sound. Ooh. Talk about diving into it.
was nice then sometimes to, to treat these moments after his solos more, more like a trio solo or like... I don't know if, where we go now. I haven't listened to this for a long time. I think this is kind of a place for Robert now. There you go. Bass solo. suppose Go didn't have something like this in mind when he wrote this song, but I think he appreciated what, what happened or where it went. You know, this first concert then led to another concert a year later, and also led to the release of this record, because we, when we initially recorded this concert, it was just as a memory, and then we decided to put it out and... and Luckily, um, Pirouette Records put it out back then. But it also led to a tour. Schofield asked us if we would want to go on tour with him, playing more of this music. So we played this medley a couple of times, you know, during our tour in, I think, 2015. Also combined camp out with other songs. And it went different places every time. So his music allows for a lot of, especially these pieces, I think they ask even for, or, or they dare you to go somewhere. So we would, you know, to use that analogy a little bit more, <laughs> to, we would camp out in different places. gone but it's sometimes something that I sometimes do to try to imitate somebody who can play the instrument which isn't hard for me I guess <laughs> no but uh, you know to, to imitate or to to play as if you don't know how to play the instrument and that kind of puts you out of your comfort zone and gives you no inspiration so it led to other stuff now This is another technique that helps me to improvise sometimes, to play with the thematic material of the song. 
listen to this for a while and um, somehow it, yeah I hope this this comes across as in the right way yeah. it's uh, it's nice to see how relaxed we sound uh, and I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything but uh, um, as I said earlier Scorpio just introduces such a relaxed vibe before the show, after the show, you know, in the rehearsal, that we felt completely at ease with him, even in a packed Philharmonic Hall and, you know, playing with your idol, trying to get his music right, you know. No, he really, really encouraged us to to reach for something else and to, to, to be in the moment. And I kind of now listening back to it I can tap into that feeling again I don't know if we decided to go back to Kubrick but it happened
Now we come to Nocturne, a piece that I wrote for the trio, I think sometime in 2012. Another one of the pieces that I uh, suggested to Sko to play, you know, apart from his songs. Um, and he said that he would like to try this song. He likes the changes. And uh, leading up to the concert, we decided that me and Sko would play an intro on this one, but we would go... Yeah, we wouldn't decide where we, what we do with the intro. So it was a bit unclear, but also we both liked that. So we actually just played free for a couple of minutes, I think. But there's moments where we, where we could, where you could say we're in the tune, but then again, we're not. I think it's a, for me it was an incredible experience because he plays so melodically in such a way that, that you could interpret his melodies that make sense in themselves on their own in different ways. And also he has incredible ears. So whatever I would throw at him harmonically, he would do something beautiful with it. Or help me out if I did something that, you know, destroyed a, <laughs> a vibe or something. He would just play something that made the next moment come to life. G from him, which is the dominant of the of the song, which led me to play the first chord. And now I'm kind of in the changes, I think. But I'm not sure if he is. in the tune already, I think. Oh, maybe we're not. <laughs> I think we're somewhere else already. kind of like that ambiguity it could be a tune could also not be doesn't have to be anything 
Okay, there I'm stating the temple. And the first chord. Plus embellishing chords. training <laughs> came which I heard, also heard you know Miles and, and Kenny Garrett do playing different pitches for each other now I'm playing the melody and score is joining As I said before, like nobody interprets a melody like that, like Sko. It completely makes it his own and it sounds like his tune, <laughs> which I love.
I can hear myself trying to adapt to to uh, Sko's uh, strong sense of melody. And in retrospect, I've learned so much from him of you know how to play a melody or how to invent a melody in the moment to make it really stick out. And I'm still working on that, but I think you know to hear this up close. Also, maybe over changes that you and harmonies that you know very well makes such a difference. You know, you you see him maneuver and navigate through changes that you're playing in the moment with him, and then you see which choices he makes that had a profound effect on me. Also, he takes uh, pauses. And that's a big topic for me because I need to do that more, <laughs> you know, I, I need to work on that. And I think also I can hear myself taking more pauses. And more than usual than I would do, I think, when I look back or listen back to other recordings of other concerts from, from that time. And that's a sign of a great musician, you know, I mean, talking about score, obviously, uh, that he makes everybody around him so much better in, just by being there or reacting to the music. for Robert plays on this. Really taps into his lyrical side. And obviously tunes like this you could play for hours in the Philharmonic Hall because, you know, the the reverb that the room itself has is just wonderful and obviously lends itself very, very well to quieter pieces. Although I also like it, you know, in the more energetic pieces. You really hear the snare until the, you know, just until the back of the, the end of the room coming back at you, which is a nice feeling. Check out how Skoro flies over those changes. You know, deeply ingrained with the, you know, incredible swing feel.
Imaginary Time, uh, another great score composition from uh, What We Do, beautiful record. I remember Skoll telling me to lay out for the first A section, or the second A section as well. I think I jump in now, pretty soon, somewhere. I'm looking at the sheet music right now. Hello. There's no harmony written down there, only a melody and a, um, a bass line. Now we have some chord changes. Again, that section. Yeah, so I kind of harmonized this section on the fly. Go 
soul composition sometimes these especially this tune you know it sounds so great already if you just play the melody and the, and the bass notes and another song that has a beautiful and also catchy and you know memorable uh, melody and, and you know theme but we are all, all, already uh, I, went into some free thing here so we don't play on changes or whatever for that song but I think yeah we kind of try to make it sound like we're playing changes Again, playing with the thematic material of the, of the song. That always gives me inspiration, you know, if I go back to the material of the song. Yeah, and we didn't rehearse this, but now we're actually going through the changes. <laughs> Because what we decided upon was, yeah, we just play free after the melody. Robert leads me into the changes and I try to follow him. Then again, yeah, I think now we're taking it out a little bit more. Yeah. takes over after a short uh, remembrance from the uh, from the theme I also like how Jonas is playing the time you know stating the time but it, now Robert Sko and me doing something loose over it. If you listen to Jonas's hi-hat, you can still hear the time.
again making harmonies up on the fly. Robert is following me. We, uh, in a way, we're all following each other. I'm playing shapes that can work with, uh, in this moment, can work with different other bass notes. Yeah. I remember Sko telling me at one point, I don't know if this happened in the tour later, or already in the first rehearsal, that sometimes he'd like to, in the free situations, also to have a little bit more time with the trio without me, you know, playing chords behind him or something. Because he knows this feeling, you know, because, you know, obviously from playing with Steve Swallow and Bill Stewart or Steve Swallow and Adam Nussbaum. Now he's on his own. Only him and Jonas' snare. <laughs> does what he does on the outros except this time it's in the middle of the song I used to ask him about his outros how he thinks about them and he just said yeah it's part of my shtick so he brings us in That wasn't planned. But we were waiting for something like this, you know. Play us something from the melody so we can get back in. So now we're back in the melody. amazing for me to actually see his handwriting you know we exchanged tunes uh, in the months before this this performance so he sent me stuff and I sent him stuff and it was so great to see his handwriting because it's, it's lovely it's just beautiful and then we played an encore.
So now you're listening to the encore of this concert. Sko has just uh, finished a very nice uh, announcement where he talked about, you know, how this project came to be and um, yeah, what his feelings were about the evening. And then he told a story about because I suggested this Joni Mitchell song, which is one of my favorites of his uh, of hers. And I had just recorded this for my record, Elders. And um, sent him this recording, suggested this song. And then in this announcement that he made uh, right before this song, he, he told the audience when he first heard this song in 68 or something, in a dorm room full of uh, pot-smoking people who were all, uh, you know, listening hanging out and listening to Joni Mitchell. The song is called Marcy. And this is another breathtaking example of Sko's ability to, you know, as I said before, take a melody and make it his own. Like he's singing it in a way. just just plays the melody he always adds little nuances yeah like there who would think of that <laughs> except him it, it comes to life you know because it's not like a robot it has all the different shadings and different aspects that a human voice also has and that's what we all try to come closer to and not, not having it sound like an instrument but having it sound like a human voice his balance between playing the, the actual content of the melody but also then interweaving it with uh, you know impro improvisational material already The fact that he usually just plays, you know, for the for the majority when he, of the of the time where he interprets a melody, he usually plays single note melodies. So he doesn't really do a lot of reharmonization under it, which is nice for 
you know, me. Uh, and gets back to that horn aspect that he, he told us in the, in the rehearsal. It's nice for me because then I can do something under it. And now we switch roles in a way. He plays something more chordal underneath it and I, I just hinted a little bit of the melody. There's actually a little edit because in the concert, we didn't plan this, but we went into another song um, of his, uh, I think it's called Rolf and the Gang from my favorite record of his called uh, Quiet. And it's in the same key as uh, where uh, Marcy ends. So we went into that song but it was too long for the record, so we took out Rolf and the Gang, and I think we even put the last fermata of uh, Rolf and the Gang at the end of Marcy, so it, there's the illusion of of Marcy standing on its own, but we actually went somewhere else, which is also what happened after this. So after this, we, um, we played another concert at uh, WDR Jazz Fest in, in Dortmund, and then Sko took us on the road in 2015 for two weeks through Europe, which was an incredible experience. And we really developed the music further there, added some other tunes and went to a lot of great places. And, you know, one of the highlights of, of my life, really. And uh, after that, we played one more concert in 2017, another festival. And... We stayed in touch after that. Um, I did an interview with him, and yeah, we keep in touch regularly. And now I'm on the team of um, a new documentary that's documentary that's in the works called Inside Schofield, which I'm really happy to be part of as a co-producer. So that's something to look forward to, I guess, in the future. And uh, yeah, thanks for listening to this. So it was a pleasure to revisit. Um, these uh, wonderful memories of playing with my heroes go. <laughs>